Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So I want to do a bit of a weekly wrap-up video today. Talk about a, a different, a couple different topics that I, I found interesting and, and newsworthy. Uh, kind of a quick recap on what's happened this week. Of course, you guys have seen the moves in the stock market as well as precious metals. I mean, precious metals, first of all, have had a big week. Gold up around, what, 1180 last time I checked. Silver around 1520, 1530. Obviously, I mean, that's subject to change, but gold moving to those levels as it inches closer to 1300 that's huge and and silver above 15 dollars that's that's a pretty big deal as well so that's encouraging uh the stock market a ton of swings obviously a huge week down last week and to start this week a huge move down on on christmas eve only to be followed up by a i think the largest one day move in terms of points on the dow jones on wednesday largest move up and then on Thursday, maybe even a more spectacular move because there was a huge swing. The Dow was down like 600 points at one point, and it finished 250 points up on the day. Right, So huge swings in the stock market. Now, why is that happening? Well, I think part of it has been that there's dip buyers. There's obviously also the plunge protection team, um, some, some entities, whether it's from the government or elsewhere, buying these stocks. Uh, you also have uh, pensions rebalancing. Uh, and, and FYI, I, I already recorded it. There's going to be a video out this weekend talking about pension funds and, and kind of the, the problems that they face, but also how this recent downturn in stocks has kind of exacerbated those issues, made those issues even worse for these pension funds in terms of uh, not being able to to pay out their benefits in the future unless something changes. Uh, so keep be on the lookout for that. It's a lengthier video, but if you're interested in pensions and 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 kind of nitty gritty details, uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy that video. Uh, but pensions have to rebalance. Basically, last quarter, last month, last six months, but especially the last quarter, uh, equities have done poorly, and of course, pension funds hold a ton of equities. Some you know upwards of 50, 60 percent. And so, you know, if their their equities are down by maybe 20% this quarter, then they have to rebalance basically uh, maybe at the beginning of the quarter or beginning of the month or whatever, or however often they rebalance. Maybe they were at 50%, now they're at 45%. Well, they have to bring that up to 50%. So if they buy that more, and of course people are going to front run that because they expect the buying to happen. And so, you know, this is a short-term balance, I think, through maybe through the end of the year, maybe through the end of the week. Uh partly from pension funds. Also, the market was just oversold, I think. Um, not over the long term, not over the intermediate term. I think valuations are still very high. It's still very overvalued. But on a technical level, maybe it was time for it to move up. I mean, and and that's what maybe some people would call a bear market rally, what we saw uh, towards the end of this week, towards the middle, uh, towards the end of this week. Who knows what things will look like this Friday. As of right now, it's 9.57 a.m. Central Time. So markets have been open what, like not even an hour and a half. So still a ton of time for, for things to move significantly in one direction or the other. Uh, but I want to start off here, moving into some of these topics, talking about uh, this article from Zero Hedge. Credit isn't buying it. Spreads blow out amid accelerating liquidations. This is something I've talked about a bit in the past. 
the debt markets and not necessarily uh, uh, government debt, but in this case, corporate debt. And so what you see here is this chart, which I moved up to here. And this is showing spreads. This is not showing yields, but spreads between high yield and investment grade and what I would assume is, is like treasury debt, okay, which U.S. treasury debt, which you'd consider a, I guess, in theory, a safer form of, of debt, okay? And so obviously uh, on the surface, I was kind of confused by this at first. I'm like, why is the green, which is supposed to be investment grade, higher than high yield? And I realized, okay, there's two different axes here. So this one here between 1.6 and 1.8, that's where the green the investment grade debt is. This is the much better rated stuff. And this high yield, which is what some might consider like junk bonds um, between five and 6%. And so the big story here is that heading into the end of 2018, these spreads have gone up, meaning yields basically relative to, to other types of debt has gone up. And this isn't just treasuries moving down. I mean, treasuries have moved down maybe 40 basis points, which might be part of the reason that that investment grade debt has moved up. But again, um, that's a still, or at least the spread has moved up. But again, you might still expect this to, to maybe move up not quite that much um, in this time frame because investment grade debt, corporate debt should be still pretty decent buy, but no, it hasn't. The spread has continued to rise. Um, I'd say similar, I, I guess, looking at the surface, similar to maybe the drop in something like the 10-year yield over the last uh, couple months. But then a uh, high yield spread, junk bond spread, has blown out significantly over 200 basis points, over 2% from, from its low around 3% there. That's huge, okay? Um, this has major implications, but but kind of on the surface also, what, what we're seeing here, this is through, what, the 27th, or at least for high yield. What we're seeing here is a very different story than the stock market, at least what we've seen from the stock market the last couple of days. You've seen a ton of people come in and buy, whether it's plunge protection team, pensions, dip buyers, technical funds, et cetera. They've come in and bought the stock market, but in terms of the corporate debt markets, not so much. Okay, it's telling a very different story. So it's going to continue to put pressure on these companies. And why is this important? Well, first of all, you got a lot of companies that are in a lot of debt. Okay, And so what this means is that if they want to roll over that debt or if that debt is in any way variable interest rate, well, they're going to be paying more. It's, it's going to hurt their business. It's going to, they're going to have to pay more in interest to service that debt in the future. The other problem that this article points out, uh, well, first of all, confirms that the recent stock purchase has not been a universal change in mood or moody as they rate, but as they wrote, but a stock and treasury specific reallocation trade, even as credit is continuing to get pounded. U.S. credit spreads, which have blown out this corner, widened even more to the highest level since the summer of 2016, which was kind of a mid Chinese weakness, economic weakness, stock market weakness, and oil uh, price weakness kind of all happened kind of in this time frame over here. Uh, so as we can see, um, also high yield uh, now above 8% for the first time since April 2016. We're seeing massive outflows out of investment grade and junk bond funds, which is interesting. Biggest outflow since October for uh, uh, junk bonds. Uh, but, but this is where, where it really gets interesting, as your hedge aptly points out here. This is their too long, didn't read if, if you didn't know what that means. Someone somewhere is buying stocks, but this is far from a universal shift in sentiment because unless credit spreads tighten, it will become prohibitively expensive for companies to issue bonds and fund stock buybacks in 2019. As a reminder, buybacks have been the single biggest source of equity demand, not only in 2018, amid, of course, this, this um, tax cut and, and whatnot 
environment, but every year since the financial crisis. So what that means is that tax, or sorry, stock buybacks have been a huge source of equity demand since the financial crisis. And when you have rising yields, and of course, those, those stock buybacks are oftentimes funded by debt, which is a terrible practice, especially with stock prices as high as they are. But they're funded by debt. And when you have the yields increasing, it makes it harder and harder to fund those buybacks. That means less and less support for the stock market in the future. So I see this as playing a huge role going forward into 2019 and uh, I think significantly hurting the stock market. So uh, next up on this list is this great article, another one from Zero Hedge. This one written by John Rubino via dollarclaps.com talking about California and, and blue states, uh, liberal states and, and some other states and their, their coming fiscal problems. And so I'm not gonna go over this entire article here um, you can definitely check it out for yourself on Zero Hedge. You just Google Zero Hedge California, uh, whatever, and you can find it. Basically, the gist of this, and I see this reported by CNBC as well, is that this recent drop in stock prices is seriously going to hurt California's uh, uh, finances. Basically, uh, they have a, a good chunk of their taxes come from you know the 1%. And of course, the 1%, hold a lot of financial assets, including stocks, okay? And so basically, their budget is made, it's, it's a make or break based on how the stock market does. If the stock market has an up year, if it's 5% up, 10% up, something like that, then then great, because those 1%, the, the millionaires or, or, or billionaires, whatever it is, they basically accrue a massive amount of capital um, gains, capital gains taxes on the gains that they've made on their investments, whether it's taxes or otherwise. But when you have, I mean, this this has got to be like terrible for California because uh, everything was looking fairly good and up until you know October, and then stocks started to drop again. And with this recent drop in December, I mean, this is this is uh, this is probably wiped out a good chunk of their capital gains. I mean, I guess it's great, I guess in theory for for those those um investors in the sense that they don't have to pay the taxes, but obviously they, they lost out on a lot of gains this year. Uh, and, and it's really going to put their state in a tough position because, you know, as, as John Rubino points out here, Jerry Brown inherited a $27 billion deficit from Schwarzenegger eight years ago, 2010. Again, a tough point in the stock market. This month, he's leaving his successor a $13.8 billion surplus and a $14.5 billion rainy day fund balance. Sounds great, except... It's pretty short-lived. This is their 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 revenue is going to live and die by the stock market and kind of by the economy as a whole. And so as this uh, situation gets worse, I mean, this is something that I think is going to quickly spiral out of control. You're going to see massive, I think, shortfalls. 2019, even 2018 to some extent, 2019, 2020, uh, if the stock market continues in this direction, um, and and that's going to really put a wrench into some of their plans in terms of as as he points out. Uh, somewhere in here, that um, many of these these incoming uh, governors and, and whatnot are, there we go, this fiscal implosion is about to collide with a wave of incoming liberal governors who have big plans for using the public budget to address society's ills. So basically, they wanted to spend a lot more money, and they're going to have a lot less money to do so. And, and maybe worst case scenario is if they put those those funding bills in place, 
prior to realizing just how short on cash they'll actually be. And this is this is on top of, again, what I'll be talking about this week in the pension fund problem. It's on top of that problem as well, uh, which California, their CalPERS pension plan, which is massive, um, is also massively underfunded and, and an even worse place after this recent stop, drop in the stock market. So um, again, something to pay attention to. Uh, and he mentions it as well, Illinois and, and New York also are, are two other more liberal states um, that that are going to be feeling it after this downturn in the stock market. The, the final article I want to talk about here was this. This is something that I'm sure you guys have seen in videos, articles, people shared in, in Facebook groups or, or, or wherever. And this was, of course, even picked up by Zero Hedge. Chinese scientists turned copper into gold. Now, they didn't actually turn into gold. And, and if you read, you know, the article from uh, South China Morning Post or this from Zero Hedge, they didn't. I mean, basically what happened is um, not an actual new element or, or they didn't actually change the element from copper into gold. Now, that might be possible, but people always talk about it and it's just not cost effective. It's a massive amount of energy if you ever want to change one element to another in that way, especially something like copper to gold. It's just not, no. But what they're talking about here instead is that they have... Uh, so what it sounds like, okay, so they, they give a summary down here. Let's see here. Uh, they inject a large amount of energy into copper atoms and they make the electrons more dense and stable in order to give it a quality similar to that of gold or silver. Interesting to say the least. Now I'm a pessimist. Uh, I'm a cynic, I guess sometimes when it comes to these types of things, usually I'm a bit of an optimist, but when it comes to this, you know, I I don't know how much this is going to move markets. Like maybe it's going to find, maybe it's going to carve out a niche. But but silver, gold, they do their things well. They do their things very well. Now silver obviously has a lot more industrial uses than gold, but gold does have industrial uses. And and I just don't see. I, I guess I I can't take this. I can't make this from a extremely informed scientific chemist physics based argument because I'm. I don't have a degree in either of those things, right? I don't have a degree in metallurgy or anything like that. No, but we've—I think we've seen these types of things in the past. And I think a good example would be uh, graphene, which I've talked about. I actually made a video about graphene. Is graphene going to replace silver? And basically, my conclusion was no, probably not. It doesn't have the same qualities exactly. And it's just not always cost effective. Like, yeah, it's going to play a big role in the future, but people are going to continue to hype up graphene. And I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to hype this up. But I think it's going to turn into mostly hype. Like, it's going to have some uses, but on on, on, a, on a widespread use basis, um, probably not. And, and and even if it is, it, it's even if it does get used in some fair amount, I think it's still many, many years away. I just I just tend to be cynical about this. And I think it's it's not something... Of course, you're going to see people jump on this and say, like, this is why you shouldn't buy silver and gold because uh, Chinese scientists have some new way to do it. But it, it just kind of reeks of, of grasping for, for maybe um, relevance or, or some sort of big achievement when in reality... I don't know. I, I think it's premature to say that this is the next big thing. But anyways, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. And all of these things, the credit markets, California, and, and their fiscal problems, as well as Chinese scientists turning copper into gold. So 
as always, if you want to help out my channel, there's a couple different things you can do. First of all, number one thing you can do, you've already done, and that is watch this video. Beyond that, liking, commenting, subscribing, if you haven't already, that helps out a ton. And of course, if you are subscribed, or if you're just subscribing now, hit that bell icon next to the subscribe button. That sends a notification whenever I publish a video. Um, and, and so you can get notified whenever I put out a video, I guess. And beyond that, you know, I do have a Patreon if you want to help me out that way. Um, also SD Bullion and their, their, um, who has recently moved to, to a, a free shipping model above $99. There's a link below in the description if you want to try them out for, uh, you get a, a one ounce round at spot. Um, not a bad deal. And it's also a great way to help out this channel if you're going to be shopping there anyways. Remember, it's a, it's a company that's founded and run by stackers, which is not something that can be said for a lot of the other big dealers out there. And their prices are pretty great. So SD Bullion down below in the description. But as always, Again, I'm just happy to have you guys here in the first place. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and God bless.